But today, Colossians chapter 2, and I'm just going to be reading verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll put one in your hand, and it is marked already uh, to the second chapter of Colossians, and you can follow along with us. Starting with verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's pray again. Lord, these short few words ended with the words thanksgiving. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would take this small passage of Scripture and, Lord, would have a deep and impactful impact on our minds and our hearts in bringing us to that place of growing in thanks that you've called us to live by, you've called us, uh, Lord, to live out in this world. And we ask this in your name. Amen. A little boy was asked to define thankfulness. An adult said, hey, can you define, what is thankfulness? Thought about it, and he said, I think it's when you say thanks and actually mean it. <laughs> that happens a lot to us, doesn't it? We can sometimes, we can know to say thanks, but the heart really isn't there. We can just kind of have the word, hey, thanks for that. Hey, thank you very much, but we're not really that thankful about it. You know, Christmas is coming uh, sometimes parents, you, you've ever seen a kid open a present that, that they were pretty bummed about getting? <laughs> you know, the, the adult thought, they're going to love this. They open it up, and the mom has to whisper in their ear, you need to say thank you. Why? I'm not thankful for this. <laughs> it's the lamest gift I've ever seen. <laughs> clothes, that's what I, when I got. When I was five and someone gave me clothes... Where's a Tonka truck? You know, this, is, this isn't a gift. It's a punishment or something, right? But to mean it. See, God, God knows. He can look at our life and know if we really mean when we say thanks or if it's just words. What would happen if someone, if any of us, were overflowing with thankfulness? We already know this is the will of God. And we know he's well pleased when he sees in us a genuinely thankful heart. But what happens in us when we live a life of thanks? What happens when we practice thanks living? What exactly does that look like? What are the spiritual characteristics of a thankful life? And this is what we'll examine for a few minutes this morning as we review something we, uh, we know we need to do, we're glad when we do it, but we often forget to do it. But sometimes I don't think we even know how to do it. How do we live thankfully? Or how it all connects together in the work of the Spirit in our lives. If you're taking notes, I've titled our time the Word this morning, A Harvest of Thanks. The primary meaning of harvest, and we hear this word a lot this time of year, primary meaning of harvest is related to agriculture or yield and crops at the end of a growing season. The gathering of a fruit or a vegetable or a grain, it, it's something to harvest, something to bring in. 
But in a broader context, harvest can mean the positive receipt of something. Webster's defines this broader context as an accumulated store or productive result. Who among us wouldn't want a harvest of blessing in our life? Anyone? Or an accumulation of thanks in our life? Or productive results in our life? Now let me pose a question that we can all consider. Does a harvest in us start with being thankful or does being thankful start with a harvest? I'll say it again. Does a harvest in us start with being thankful or does being thankful start with a harvest? Something we've already received. That's a hint. And the answer to that question is yes. If you've been around me a while, you know I answer a lot of questions with one word, yes. Not all of them. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So we can answer some questions just simply, yes. The two are essentially inseparable. In other words, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing, right? We just finished last Sunday our three-part series in marriage. In a godly marriage, would we be thankful because our marriage is healthy, perhaps even flourishing? Or would it be healthy because we're thankful? Which is it? Yes. Again, the two viewpoints are mutually supportive of one another. They're mutually supportive. They both have the same tension of strength giving to the other. It's imperative that we're thankful for what God's already given us. A spouse in that example. But that positively alters our view of marriage itself and then the outworking of it. Thankful for it, but we're thankful through it. Now, you may be thinking, um, bad example, we don't have a godly marriage. Hope you're here the last few weeks. Hope that's changing. We have far more issues than stability, you might say. Much less health, you might say. Or you're thinking, hey, I'm not even married, so I can't relate. But as we looked at for all three weeks in our previous three weeks in Ephesians, if you're born again, you are married to Christ. Every single one of us are married to Jesus Christ if we're born again. We've all received, in that context, a harvest of God's grace and being forgiven and brought into this relationship with Christ. But what does that mean in our study this morning? It means we have a common starting point for being thankful. We have a common starting point in being thankful, and that's our relationship with Jesus. We all have that common place where we can start. Or should I say, we have a common place to choose to be thankful. And then, reaping the benefits of this thanks-living cycle, well, that'll impact every part and facet of our life. Thanksgiving transforms our life and the depth of our faith. We saw the word rooted, what we looked at here in the text. You see, God wants to change our thinking If you remember anything, remember this point. God wants to change our thinking from, I would be thankful if, 
to this. I am thankful because. I would be thankful if, move it to, I am thankful because. No matter what our station in life is, the current season, or circumstances, that's not always easy, but God says by his spirit we can actually do it. Amen? I want to look at three things. This is my kind of custom this morning. The first thing, and it's right out of our text that we'll take a look at. The first is what I've titled, Stepping Out in Thanks. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Now, the, the last phrase there in verse 7 says, in thanksgiving. Well, it's not just that last statement. It's kind of encompassing both those passages, not just those passages, even verses prior to it. So in other words, it's bracketing. Or the thanksgiving is umbrella over all of these spiritual characteristics, our walk, being built up, being rooted, abounding, all these things. Thanksgiving is to be an umbrella over these things. But if we've come to know the Lord, the first thing to do in our response to the amazing grace of God is to set the compass and start walking. Set the compass and start walking. When people get saved, then we give them a new believer's Bible. It's time to start walking in Jesus. You couldn't walk the same way you did last week. Any man being Christ, he has what? New creation. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. Now, though I, don't, I didn't walk with Jesus before, but now we do. We set the compass. We begin the journey, and it's one step at a time, isn't it? Every journey is one step at a time. As you receive Christ, walk in him. Now, in the context of thankfulness, if we're thankful for salvation, we will start to walk with Jesus. We couldn't have any response, but if we're really thankful for salvation, we'll start to walk with the Lord. But that first step and every step after starts with a convinced and a willing mind and heart. A convinced and willing mind and heart. It's not really your feet that do the work when you don't want to get out of bed. You realize that, right? It's not really your feet that do the work. When you don't want to get out of bed, or you don't want to go somewhere exotic like the laundry room and start working at it, right? Or you don't want to go outside and turn the mower on. Oh, man. Every week this grass wants to grow. Every week. And if it was a drought, we might think differently, right? Or just to go to your desk and prepare for a meeting. You know you got to do it, but you don't feel like doing it. Or if you're a student and you got to sit down at the kitchen table and get cracking on that homework. It's not your feet that do the work. It starts right here, isn't it? It's the mind... It's our mind that tells us this has to be done. Has to be done. It's that little voice. Now, if you're saved, it's not just, you know, just kind of a voice of positive thinking, right? You've seen positive speakers and stuff. In the Christian life, it's the Holy Spirit that says, get up. This has to be done. This is actually important. But this is fun. I know, but this is important. It's the mind, but the mind of the Spirit, the Spirit speaking to our heart and mind, saying this isn't optional. This is a task. This responsibility requires me to take that step that my flesh and body just doesn't feel like doing. The mind knows it's important, and then the mind tells the legs, move. 
right? The mind tells the legs to move. The mind tells the knee to bend. And you get older, and sometimes the knee doesn't listen to the mind. I understand that too. It'll come up with other ways. Hey, grab bedposts, right? You know, the mind has other ways to work through this. Call for help. It'll do something to get you moving, right? But it's not really the body. It's the mind. And in the Christian life, it's the mind yielded to the heart of God that says, all right, Lord, these are important things. I, I have to get moving. I must move. I must stand. I must plant. I must walk. And so it is our mindset to walk with Jesus and to do it with a joyful and a thankful heart. Now, again, I said the mindset to do it with a joyful and thankful heart. That won't happen on its own. It's not that we always feel like walking in a way that, frankly, is difficult. The Christian walk isn't easy. Does anyone think it's easy? I've been saved now. 20, what year is it now? 23 years or so. And it's still not easy. Matter of fact, in some ways, it's harder now than it was for me 10, 15 years ago, the Christian walk. And yet we're still told to walk. If we receive Christ Jesus, so walk with him. But not just to walk, but to do it joyfully. We don't always feel like being thankful in our walk with the Lord, do we? We're not immune to those feelings of uh, blasé, down. Our natural state, by the way, is our natural state is unthankful. That's our natural state. That we're all born in a state of not wanting to give God thanks, not wanting to be thankful for anything. We know this is true in Romans 1.21. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. The natural state of humanity is not to be thankful. It's to complain. The children of Israel, even when God got them out of Egypt, even when He fought them through the Red Sea, He unloaded all the riches of the people. Hey, here's, I don't know why I'm giving you this. Here, take all my money. Remember? They come into the wilderness and they immediately started complaining. That's the natural state of our flesh. In Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We have to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit tells us what to do, but we have to set it in that direction. We have to set our minds on being thankful. We'll need to meditate on the commands of Scripture to be thankful. Did you hear that? You actually have to think about verses that talk about thanks to actually revive thankfulness. You know, you, you could just say, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, but Scripture is a force multiplier far beyond... Can I get an amen on that? I don't even usually ask for amens. I'm going to start doing it. That's, that's really fun. Now I know other preachers did that. But anyway, when, when we focus on scriptures that tell us what to do, they actually have supernatural power. Let me give you a verse that uh, is a good one you could meditate on that uh, perfectly exemplifies this. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know what would happen if you start quoting that verse to yourself a lot? It'll act like guardrails in your life. You just start saying, I'm, I'm going to put this one on my steering wheel while I'm driving. That verse. Right there. Bam. Change the channel. Come back. Don't, don't look at only that. The traffic matters too. But you keep uh, <laughs> you know, that verse right there looking at it. 
Here's another one. Colossians 3. If your Bibles are open, it's probably on the same page in most of your Bibles. It could be page over. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 15. Look at what he says. Paul writing, same church uh, in Colossae there. He said in the 15th verse, third chapter, and let, I have circled the word let, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. Well, if you get a thankful church, one body of believers that are all thankful. But he says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts we are all called to this, he says, and be thankful. It's not a request by God. It's a command by God. But it's one of those commands that God says, you're going to benefit. You know, God doesn't really benefit when we do his will. He, he's self-sustaining. We are the ones that benefit. But he says, and be thankful. And it, the word let there in verse 15, understand that let and set go hand in hand. Let and set. When you see in the Bible, let something, but other times it says set your mind on something. Let and set go hand in hand. Let is to say, Lord, thy will be done. Set is to say, Lord, I'm going to set the compass now on doing your will. But they go hand in hand. To let it say, Lord, let it be according to your will. Remember Mary said that. Let it. Lord, let this be my mindset. But Lord, I'm going to set my mind on these things if I have to read this verse every day of the week till it gets deep in my spirit. So those two, let and set, as we finish out this year, just say, Lord, where, where are the things I need to be letting? Where are the things I need to be setting? Setting my mind on thanksgiving. Let the truth of gratitude and necessity outweigh our false feelings because our false feelings are just that, false. I don't feel like giving thanks. Well, Psalm 100 says that we must. Scripture saying, all things give thanks. Set our minds to dwell and be reminded. Use sticky notes if you must. Right? Do any of you use sticky notes around the house? I do too. They're one of the greatest inventions of all time, aren't they? <laughs> Slap them things on everything, you know. And as you get older, they really are helpful, right? You know, you're like, never thought I'd need to put it on this, but here we go. Anything to remind us. Anything to have God let this uh, stay with us, but also set our minds on it. Now let's look at, look at the next one here. Building up, building up in thanks, if you're taking notes. He goes on in verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. We'll stop right there. Rooted, you know that a tree that has deep roots, it does really well. High winds, ice storms, the stronger the tree, the more rooted it is, built up. Established. We know a house that Jesus said you build your house on the rock. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do just fine. It's, it, you drill down into bedrock. It's going to be anchored, built up, established. You know? You don't like going to a non established medical practice, right? I want one that's just kind of fly by night. You want an established one. You want an established, you know, financial advisor, someone that has track record. As you've been taught, everybody's been taught something. From the time you're taught to ride a bike, time taught to walk, all these things we've been taught year after year, never stop learning. We always want to be uh, not the know-it-alls, but the learn-it-alls. 
we just continually absorb and learn. Don't take for granted, as he looked, as, again, as the umbrella of thanksgiving is over all of these things, don't take for granted any of the ways that God has provided and ordained for us to grow in our faith, to grow in the faith, and to grow as disciples of Christ. Don't take them for granted. God's provided a number of ways to help us grow, a number of ways. There's a French, uh, French proverb that says, we never know the worth of water until the well is dry. True, isn't it? You don't think much about, hey, water's out of the tap, but all of a sudden, if the water supply is gone, you just don't turn on the spigot. That spigot means a lot more than it used to mean, doesn't it? When we are truly thankful for something, we have a genuine appreciation for it. And genuine appreciation results in genuine attention. If we are truly thankful for our kids, we'll have a deep appreciation for them. And if that appreciation is there, then our attention on them will be there as well. Amen? People that have no, you know, I can't, I don't spend any time with the kids, I don't care of them. Well, there's, there's not an appreciation, nor is there an attention there either. The reason many Christians, I'm not saying this is the case here, but uh, if you look across the landscape of our nation, the reason many uh, Christians don't regularly read the Bible is that they aren't thankful for the Word of God. They're not thankful for the Word of God. There's very little appreciation in it. Hence, it gets very little attention in their life. It gets a low place of attention. Church attendance among believers has steadily decreased. Both people that don't go at all anymore and people that used to go this much now go this much. In every metric, church attendance has steadily decreased, and even worse in the last decade. They might never miss a workout. They might never miss their favorite show. They might never miss uh, you know, some sporting event or weekly thing with their team or whatever else it may be. But getting to maybe 50% of the services in their mind is completely reasonable and completely acceptable. But if you were standing before Jesus one day, I think you'd have a different response. Six days shall a man work, and the seventh day, rest. Well, and then under, and, and then when the children of Israel came together, God gave Moses the kind of full picture of that post-sin that would not only come together, but a holy convocation. And then it's reiterated in Hebrews, forsake not the assembly as the manner of some, but even more as you see the day approaching. Because you would have a greater appreciation for these things. Some people may even subconsciously feel when they show up, they're doing God a favor. Put this on my tab as my good stuff this month or whatever else. And then discipleship or fellowship or prayer or sharing our faith, well, those aren't even on the radar in many people's lives anymore. That's why we pray for revival. We pray for it here too. I don't know where you're at in any of these things, each individual person, but God does, and he wants us to say, if you really are thankful for the work of Jesus, you will say, Lord, I'm returning to my first love. But the scriptures tell us we have to be built up. We have to be strengthened. We have to be encouraged in the word and in worship and the working out of our faith. And to be thankful for the means God's provided. We have to be thankful for the way God's provided this to happen. 
We didn't make this stuff up. And he himself chose some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be pastors and some to be teachers. He himself, this is God's way. He said, this is the way I'm going to have my church grow. What has he provided? He's provided his word. He's provided the teaching and preaching of his word. He's provided what we did this morning, singing together. Together, worship. And Tuan read the passage Wednesday night about the choir there in the Old Testament where they gathered together, serving together, learning together, all these things. That's why we have the back. We believe it's a together thing, that we together do these things. Look at verse 7 again where he says, rooted and built up and established in faith as you've been taught abounding in it. And then if you look at that and then uh, drop over to uh, Colossians chapter 3 again, and look at the 16th verse, kind of a parallel verse. When you look at them kind of interwoven together, verse 16, let again, here's that word let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word means you, let the word in you means you're being taught by the word. You're being purified by the word. You're being refined by the word. You're being led by the word. You're being corrected by the word. You're being convinced by the word. You're being convicted by the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another. This is where the role of the church, you have to have people in the body of Christ. Some are to teach, some are to counsel, some are to work with the kids and all these different things. And so they all come together. And in psalms and hymns, we see the worship ministry there, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And it's something that Paul says, we do this together. And did you know that these things stir up thankfulness? First, we're thankful for them. And we say, Lord, this is, this is really cool. You've designed this to help us to become rooted, growing, maturing. I don't know about you, but I like when apples grow on the apple tree. Right? And we can't, we can't have apple pie if that doesn't happen. There's no pumpkin pie if the pumpkins don't grow, Right? It's important that God says, look, these are the things that bring forth fruit, and you'll do them together. Let these things take place. Let them and set them in your life. Are we thankful for the means God has provided to help us to grow? Are we thankful for these things? By the way, we have an appreciation for things. The way we appreciate things in our life, in our human mind, in our human capacity, is we assess value. We look at something, and we assess it. We assess it. We look at it as value. We say, oh, I ain't paying seven bucks for that. You ever done that? We assess it. We see something else. We say, well, that's a bargain. I'm buying 20. We make an assessment. But if God has already assessed the value of something, we simply need to put it into practice. Amen? Let me say that one more time. If God has already assessed the value of anything, we simply need to put it into practice. We don't say, hey, God, I'm going to assess your assessment. That's a basically what we're saying. Let me assess your assessment. Who in the world would we think we are? We're going to assess his assessment? I've given it a second glance, and everything needs two opinions. So I've added mine. And we don't do that consciously, but subconsciously, I think, again, we do. We need to just put it into practice and, oh, by the way, just say thanks while we do it. Thank you, Lord. This is the way you designed it. This is the way you've orchestrated it. And I'm just going to follow it. 
and say thank you in the process. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful, and yet I want to be way more thankful. Yeah, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you think you have more capacity for thanks than you've ever exhausted? I'm very thankful, but want to be way more thankful. I'm very thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful that when I need direction, and when I don't think I need direction, I still get it when I read the Word of God. Just read it because I'm committed to read it. I, I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for songs and hymns other people have written that God gave them. Some written hundreds of years, some written 10 months ago. I'm thankful for songs and hymns that other people have written. I'm thankful for messages that I've heard that have impacted my life, that godly men with faithful hearts have taught and shared and prepared. I'm thankful for godly friends. How about you? I'm really thankful for godly friends. I'm thankful for a wife that's been my co-disciple for 23-plus years now. Co-disciple, iron sharpening iron. Um, she gets to correct me when no one else around to do it. She say. <laughs> and so, uh, many a man in this room should say amen to that. So, um, I'm thankful for advice, mentors, people that have discipled me. I'm thankful for counsel. You know, wise people don't hate counsel. They love counsel. Don't tell me counsel. I know a lot. Wise people love counsel. I'm thankful for books that have been written by people that God put them on their hearts. And we've benefited from them. Lancelot Andrews said these words. He said, gratitude is the praise we offer God for teachers kind, for all who have advantaged me by writings, sermons, Converse, prayers, examples, for all these and all others which I know, which I know not, open, hidden, remembered, and forgotten. That's thankfulness. Say, God, the fact that I can speak the English language, somebody did something to help me. Amen? If you can speak more than one language, you've really gotten some help in the linguistics area. But we have a lot to be thankful for. Christian Paul is saying here, is he's saying appreciate that you've been established, that you've been built up, that you've been taught. Appreciate it and actually invest more in it. Say, Lord, thank you so much that I want to take more time. God's saying, take time to learn. Take time to wait on me. Take time to pray. Take time to gather with the body. Thank God for the many ways he's given to us to be built up and to be strengthened. Get connected in fellowship and grow in gratitude together. It's one thing if two people are, are full of gratitude, but when 150, 200 people are full of gratitude, wow, the impact. Last thing is everything God does, he always wants to multiply in our life, if it's good. Every good thing God wants to multiply in our life. Every spiritual thing God wants to multiply in our life. And he says this word at the end of verse 7, abounding abounding in it, overflowing in it, exponential, abounding. And not, just that it's fill, not just that the cup has a lot, but it's overflowing. God wants us to abound in thanksgiving. Our Christian life can go from fits and spurts of thanks to abounding in thanksgiving. We can go, spiritually speaking, I'm saying, from being paycheck to paycheck level thanks to spiritually billionaires in thanks, in thankfulness, in gratitude. 
Did you know that when we're made perfect in heaven, won't that be great someday? All our flaws are gone. Nobody to nitpick them anymore. We don't even nitpick them anymore. Never have to look in the mirror and say, what a loser. You know, how do you do this again? You know, when we're made perfect in heaven, we'll still be giving thanks in heaven. Did you know that? In heaven, even when we're perfect, now we say, well, we're just like Jesus, but we'll still be giving him thanks. Yes, we'll have perfect thankfulness in our hearts. There'll be no more ingratitude in us ever again in heaven. But we'll still express it with our mouths and actually with a prostrate form of worship. We won't be able to contain our thanksgiving to God. In Revelation chapter 11, John sees this up in heaven. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 16 through 18, and this is what he sees and describes. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their throne fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, O Lord Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because... Remember that from earlier? Because you have taken great power and reigned. The first things that they say when they fell on their faces, did you catch it? We give you thanks. They're in heaven. They're perfected. They know more in gratitude, and yet they still are prompted by the Spirit to verbally give God thanks and to fall on their face and say, thank you. At the outset, I mentioned that God wants to change our thinking from I would be thankful if to I am thankful because. Did you notice in the passage there in the second of those two verses, they said because, because you have taken your great power. We have a lot of becauses when it comes to Jesus to be thankful for, right? Because you gave grace, because you came, because you shed your blood, because you gave your Holy Spirit, because you loved me even when I was still in sin. Because you've forgiven me thousands of times. And all those, God says, because of that, you can give thanks right now. But this situation's different, Lord. God said, it might be different, but in the context of where I want you to say thank, it's all the same. We're going to be doing it forever. God wants us to set it and let it in our life right now. Let's not wait, though. Until we get to heaven, learn how to express thanks. And like the little kid said, and really mean it. Because God looks at the action of our life. The mean it says to us, I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to be appreciative of it. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to, if I have to put it on a sticky note on my dashboard, I'm going to meditate on this. If I have to kind of continue, well, open the fridge and there it is, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. I'm going to do it to start, Lord, help me to do it. William Blake said, gratitude is heaven itself. Our joy, the growth of joy in our lives, the increase of peace, our love for Jesus and others will be in direct proportion to our willingness to be thankful. A willingness to be thankful. But if we're willing and we simply obey, we will see a harvest of thanks. We'll see a harvest of thanks in our lives. We'll also see a harvest of victory. Does anyone want to see a harvest of victory? Directly tied to being thankful. 
Paul wrote it so many times. The apostles wrote it. It's in the Psalms. And we'll actually, in our lives, we will create, by the work of the Spirit, this continuous cycle where thanks gives way to victory and victory gives way to thanks. Thanks gives way to victory and victory gives way to thanks. Thanks gives way to victory and victory gives way to thanks. It's a real... Some cycles are called a vicious cycle. This is a beautiful cycle. Amen? Turn with me. I want to share one passage as we close. Turn with me to Psalm 37. I'm just going to read this passage. I had one of our men read it as a closing to our men's prayer. A couple third, uh, our bottom rowers men's Thursday night. But I want to read it again here. It's a great passage to just kind of um, just kind of expresses the goodness of God and what he really wants to do in our life. It's, it's Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4. And it goes with the uh, admonition that Paul was giving to walk in these things and be rooted and built up. But look at the, just the goodness of God. Psalm 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desire of your heart. Amen? Amen. If that's true, that's something to be thankful for. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. We don't want to just say it but we want to mean it. But Lord, even before we can mean it, we can just walk in it out of obedience to set our minds on being thankful, to just say it to you, to continue to meditate on it until it becomes real in our life. Lord, to practice being thankful even when things aren't going well, when things are difficult, when things seem to be going against us. Lord, you still said in all things, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we want to see a harvest of thanks in our life, but we also want to see a harvest of victory. And so we just ask, even now, collectively, you'd forgive us for those areas of ingratitude, for those blind spots in our life. And Lord, we want to be more thankful, more grateful. Thankful for the ways that you teach us. Thankful for the ways you encourage us. And Lord, thankful for our brothers and sisters that are here. And all these things... We ask for your help, and we know that you are faithful to provide it. In Jesus' name, amen.